Hello everyone, I'm Troy Dodds and welcome to the On The Record podcast presented by The Western Weekender. On this podcast I'm joined by special guests who all have such great stories to tell about Penrith and the role they've played in our city. They are Penrith stories told by Penrith people. Today my special guest is John Todd, the Executive Officer of the Western Sydney Business Centre. John is celebrating 30 years in the role in 2022 and he's certainly seen a lot of changes in Penrith in that time. I really hope you enjoy our chat. John, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Troy. Now, our uh, first question we always ask, uh, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Uh, well, they tell me I was born in Annandale, but, you know, I don't remember that. <laughs> no, moved to Blacksland when I was two years old with my parents and uh, and virtually um, stayed there for, until I uh, got married and moved to Emmy Plains. So what was the uh, the Blue Mountains like growing up in? Terrific. I loved it. You know, I lived at Blacksland and um, we, had, we had a stint um, when I was about... Um, 10 and 11, Dad got transferred to Queensland for Siemens Industries back then, doing all the commissioning for the power stations up in Queensland. Yep. And we spent two years up in, um, I lived in Ipswich for two years, where I won a junior tennis tournament, I might add. Well, uh, it's the start of a long, no, illustrious sporting career. And I, got, and I got no <laughs> proof to prove but I did. And um, you know, apart from that, we, we lived at you know, Platter Parade and, uh, for the whole time. Um, you know, I went to uh, Blackstone um, Primary School, um, and then I migrated up to um, Blue Mountains Grammar School for a few years and then to Springwood High School and that's where I finished at Springwood High in year four. was going to go on but um, um, had a, I didn't really want to go to year, year six back then or year 12 whatever it was, year 12 and um, so a friend of the family said why don't you go and um, apply for the bank and that's where life started virtually for me in my working life. Yeah, so so as far as the bank is concerned, we'll talk about that in a moment, was finance and that world something you'd thought about during high school or not really? No, no, no way. I was useless with finance. I was hopeless at maths. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect um, recruit for a bank. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't add up. Anyway, no, no, I didn't. I never, I never thought banking would be my go. But uh, anyway, things, things change. And it's, so it's 1971 that you uh, joined Westpac. Yep. Uh, you've mentioned how it came about, but what was the role and, and what was it like back then initially? Well, well, back then it wasn't Westpac. It was the Commercial Bank of Australia. Yep. And that was before the merger with the Bank of New South Wales. And uh, I started off in the Penrith branch. I was lucky to get a local branch and spent spent a couple of years there. And um, um, I was started right from the beginning you know, doing all the, you know, People wouldn't know, but when you when you make a deposit, you back back in the days when people made deposits yeah. and brought Fill checks, out the deposit slips and, and, and brought all checks that. in <laughs> and everything, you have to you had to stamp them. It was called a batch number, so your deposit your deposit slip was, and your checks were all done the same. So if something went astray, they could trace it back. Yeah. So um, yeah, that was, and then I pro- progressed to teller and then head teller. Um, you know, we. I mean, you all know Scott Spears parts. Well, a lot of you would. Yeah. You know, with John Scott at the time, and and Doris Scott when she used to bring the banking in, they had so much cash from their operation that we used to hide under the counter because we didn't want to count it all. <laughs> it was that much, and that was that was a highlight of our week when Doris came in. John Scott has uh, been a guest on, on the Record yes. Podcast, so you yeah. can uh, go back and listen to that episode if you want to. Where was that uh, Westpac Penrith branch located at that time? Um, it was it's about where. Um, oh God, I don't know what. It's where there's a little toy place there now. Yep. Um, it's near near where the Chamber of Commerce is in that arcade in KR. Ah, okay. Yeah, yep. just it's right there. And it's gone now. It used to be a pub across the road where the, the accountant of the branch taught me how to drink, and but <laughs> uh, well, that's gone too. So everything's gone. But uh, so I suppose at the branch there, I, as I said, I got the teller A, and then um, 
and then uh, it was time for a transfer because the, the bank always liked to move you around every couple of years and uh, give you new things to learn. And uh, so I ended up um, going to St Mary's branch and uh, the head teller down there um, he swapped. He came to the Penrith brand, so which I thought was a waste of time. So, <laughs> and that's and that's where I went. Well, my future wife. Banking at that time, obviously, a completely different industry than it is today. No internet banking, no, none of that. No. So, uh, probably a, a tougher industry almost to be involved in at that time too, yeah. and, and a lot of gut gut decisions. I'm guessing a lot of a lot of submissions, all paper written, yeah. nothing nothing online, nothing. It was just all, you know, paper, 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 and uh, and files and filing cabinets everywhere. And uh, yeah, it was a completely different world back then. And of course, you progressed through the bank into a, a fair few other roles as well. Yeah, I um, um, after I after I did, well, I went to quite a few branches actually. So after I left some areas, I went to uh, Hooker House. Yeah, it's a good name, isn't it? Hooker yeah. House. <laughs> um, it was under the Amex building in uh, in Pitt Street yep. in the city. You know, I don't think it's there anymore. The branch, and um, I was the head teller there, and then I progressed to. Um, the legal legal clerk clerk whatever it was back then, and um, but that was a that was a very good branch. I met people like Abigail. She was one of our customers from number ninety nine. For those people yeah, who remember yeah, back yeah, to lo- those yeah. days of the soap opera, um, there was a lot of influential customers there. And then from there, I got transferred to uh, City House, which is up in the, the mall in um, in Pitt Street, and uh, I went there as a assistant manager, and uh, spent a couple of really good years there and. Uh, and then finally, I, I moved down to, I uh, went on to relief staff for a little while, uh, for about 12 months, and went to various branches all over you know, the city region. And then I, um, and then I ended up at uh, Royal Exchange Branch, corner of Hunter and Pitt Streets, and, uh, and that's where I was, um, I, was, I was appointed manager in my own right. And uh, I was, at that stage, I was the youngest Westpac manager they ever had. And that was, that was yeah, it was 24 years old. Yeah. Which was yeah. Uh, pretty remarkable. Yeah, I know. So, and I had a, I had a, um, a massive discretionary limit. The, you know, the um, managers don't even get them these days. Mm. You know, 250000 everybody will uh, cringe when they hear that. But that's that was a big amount. It's a big amount now. And, uh, you know, so I had all that. And I looked after all the senior executive of the Westpac as well. Yep. Um, which, you know, Frank Conroy was the general manager. He was one of my customers. Also had Rodney Adler. You know, like, yes. you know, I, I had a massive amount of, of big clients um, in that in that portfolio. And during this time, you're travelling back and forth, still to Western yeah, Sydney? Yeah, 13, yeah. 13 years in the city, yeah, leaving home at 6 o'clock, we'll go 5.30 every morning at 6 o'clock, get home some nights, 6 or 7 if we're drinking, might have been 10 or 11 <laughs> <laughs> at night time, but yeah, I did 13 years, I travelled in and out every day. The joy of the uh, Sydney public transport system. It was all right then. It was good. Well, we had no trouble. I had no trouble with it back then. Yeah. It was, um, you know, basically caught the, there was two trains at night time or one train in the morning we catch, and I caught those every day, virtually. And your career at Westpac, where does it end up? Where does it uh, where does it finish up? Because, of course, you're there until uh, till 1991. Yeah, good well, they, well, they didn't finish me up. Um, they I got a phone call one day from... Uh, the manager of personnel for New South Wales, and he wanted me to come in and have a chat. And I thought, hello, I've done something wrong. <laughs> uh, they're going to get rid of me or something. And uh, he said, look, I've got a proposal for you. And I said, what's that? And he said, look, I want you to – what do you think you'd be like at um, business advice for clients and things like that? And, uh, you know, we've got a job that we uh, we sponsor the, the manager to go out there for an 18-month stint. And your name's been put forward by – um, previous managers out there, and also managers that you've worked for under under the time at the bank, and uh, 
And I, I said, oh, yeah, okay, well, not knowing too much about what was going on. And so he asked me a lot of questions. And one and one question that sticks in my mind to this day, he asked me, who was the, the old um, Deputy um, Premier of New South Wales? And he was the old Mayor of Penrith. And you know what? I could not think of his name for the life of me. <laughs> and yeah, I'd, I'd known Ron Mulock for, uh, since... He used to bank at the CBA at Penrith. Yeah. And I'd known him for years. And you think oh, I could think of his name. That was one of the questions. But anyway, um, things progressed and I got offered the job. And it was, of course, in uh, in, yeah, in February, March 1991. Now, by then, of course, you've, uh, you're have very much settled in Penrith because um, married, family at that yeah, point? Yeah, I got married. Um, when I, get, I don't know which branch I was at when I got married. I might have... It might have been Royal Exchange, I think. But I've been married now to Marianne and for 42 years I've got... Um, three, three um, sons and one daughter. Um, still got, still got one, one of each at home. Uh, the other <laughs> two have moved out, thank goodness. So, um, one of them's close to moving, very, very close. So, um, we'll be stuck with this big house and and nobody in it pretty soon. And this is uh, Emu Plains. Why did you settle in in Emu Plains? What was the 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 reasoning behind that? How did you land there? Was it wanting to keep that little mountains link? You know, given it's at the foot there. There was absolutely no reasoning behind it whatsoever. <laughs> when I lived in the Blue Mountains, I vowed I would never live in any place. It's too hot and everything. Anyway, one day we were down having a drive around where we live and where future where we were going to live in the future, and um, we saw this vacant block of land. It was a private sale, and he said it was ten thousand dollars. Yes, ten thousand dollars for the block of land. <laughs> um, plus we had to pay for the, plus the legals for the bloke that owned it. So it cost us ten thousand four hundred and something dollars. So we bought the block of land. And then later on, we well, we rented at St Mary's at the time. Um, well, that's that's where I was when we got married. We were at CBA yeah. at St Mary's. And um, anyway, we um, we built the house. And I know you're all going to get shocked, but it cost us $23,000 to build the house <laughs> back then. And we've been there ever since. It's grown, the house has grown considerably since then. But, yep. but uh, that's how much it cost us back then. And it's 1991. You're about to start in this role. What What is Penrith like at that point? As you come into a business role, what's the business community like uh, 30 odd years ago? Um, we had a lot of dominant people back then. You know, CJ Welsh and the pubs and everything. We had Max Gibb that ran the chamber. Max Max um, probably thought he was running all business in Penrith <laughs> you know, at that time. And there was there was a lot of very old people like John French, the solicitor. And uh, you know, a lot of these people were on the board of the centre that I went to. And uh, you know, it, was, it was completely... It was completely different back then. Um, it wasn't the metropolis it is now. It was very quiet. Just about everybody knew one another. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Look, it's it's progressed so much, and most of the stuff I can remember, you know, the main street back then. That you know, all the stuff that's gone from that main street now has been replaced by other things, mm. good or bad. I don't know. But uh, was that office your office is in Henry Street now? Where was the original? It was, in, there. it was in Skippin's Arcade. Yep. You know, it was upstairs there with the, the lovely Jackie, Jackie Tesorio, who was the landlady. Yep. And, uh, you know, we, we, we stayed up. We had one little office there when I got there, and it was one secretary and a part-time advisor, Warwick Savage, and um, that was it. And I came in, and um, um, first day, you know, Steve drops all these, Stephanie was the name of Steve, we call, dropped all these files on my desk and said, here, here's your mentoring for the... For the rest of the day, and I said, "Oh, good." And uh, anyway, I looked through the files, and I said, "Can I just ask one question? What's mentoring?" Because <laughs> that, that wasn't even a word you used back then. It was just yep. wasn't wasn't a term. And uh, so we started there, and then we um, 
we progressed. We, we, we ran around the corner, let that office go, and then we got another one across the road to put a training room in where we picked up some other programs. And then, um, and then I, we moved... I don't even know when we moved now. A long time ago, but we're up in Henry Street now, and uh, yeah, and that's the only two offices we've had in Penrith. That leads us, I guess, um, when you say about mentoring and whatnot, into a bit of an explanation for those who don't know. What, what does the Western Sydney Business Centre uh, do, or particularly what did it do back then? Um, because the business advice is a, is a simple term that has a, a lot of umbrellas attached to it. Well, first off, we want, we'd like the client to have the idea because it's a waste of time. We get clients coming to us and saying, you know, I want to start a business. Got any ideas? Yeah. We're not we're not about that, right? Yeah. We we we're here to give advice and guidance, more so guidance, on what that business venture is. And if they're expanding, you know, what, what can be provided to increase their business. So um we're very much a you know, as I said, provide guidance to them. We don't want to we don't want to be dictating to them. It's in the end it's up to the, the client themselves to make their own decisions. All we'll do is lay down in front of them and say, We can do this, we can do this, we can help you with that, um, but you don't have to take it. It's up to you. Mm-hmm. And what about back then in the nineties, what kind of businesses were you seeing? Obviously businesses changed over over the years. You're, you're seeing a lot more digital focused businesses these days, but was there particular businesses back then that um that we might not even see these days that were I don't think there was anything digital back then. No. <laughs> I, I think it was pretty pretty um pretty light on now. I don't think anybody like it's still it's still not that good now. I mean we do mm. a lot of digital now, but but back back then there was hardly anything. So, yeah. so business is very much was um, manual work. Like we used to do a manual newsletter, yeah, you know, and get that printed and send it out to everybody. And it's just uh, everything. Everything was manually back then. But having said that, though, I, I'm not going to dob in names them. But there's still businesses in High Street now that still haven't got an email. <laughs> you know, and you've got to if you want to talk to them or send stuff, you've got to hand deliver. Stuff to them. Yeah, and still, still plenty of medical places yeah. that want faxes and well, I, whatever I, else. <laughs> one of my specialists, I go to, yeah, they're still working out of a, a diary with pencil. You know, like, I, said, <laughs> I said to them the other day, I said, when are you going to get upgraded? And, oh, well, we sort of got that system, we don't like using it. <laughs> so. I'm guessing back then as well, you guys would have provided advice to businesses that were just starting up that you still see in operation today. That must give you a... Uh, yeah. It makes you pretty chuffed that you get to see that you, you've been part of that initial journey and they're still around today. Any any that stick out? Uh, yeah, but I don't know if anybody would know any of them. You know, <laughs> um, um, there was a few because we – like I'll I just backtrack a little bit. I was the fifth manager that came out from Westpac for the 18-month stint. Yeah. And at the end of my term, they decided – they were going through cost-cutting and they decided they didn't want to renew the sponsorship. So they wanted me to come back to the bank. And at that stage, I was looking at redundancies like you wouldn't believe. And I said, no, I'd like a redundancy package and I wanted to stay. Yeah. You know, but I have to cover my own wage, obviously, because they were covering, which, which we could have done. And um, – Anyway, they said, no, we want you back. So I had to resign and didn't get anything out of it. So so right. I started then. So so businesses back then, we used to have a, a centre just up the road here in Able Street called the Business Penrith Business Development Centre, which was like a, an incubator. It had started off with, um, uh, God, I'm testing my memory now, 18 units, light industrial and office high space, went to, went to 26 units. And um, we... Um, uh, we had businesses in there that um, are still operating today. Yeah. Uh, they came through that centre, and they're still operating in the centre yeah. because I've, I've driven past and had a look. So, so basically, what it was is it was divided up, as I said, in about twenty-six units, and people would rent it. There was no lease, no long, um, 
no long lease, um, no bond, no nothing, has come in, give a month's notice if they want to go. So there was a lot of businesses that went through that, and we were very successful with that. We are probably one of the most successful incubators in Australia that the federal government um, uh, funded. And after about 20 years, we were, I, I got the impression we were getting more like a a glorified property manager than, a, than a, <laughs> someone that's there to help businesses grow. So the board and myself had a talk to it and we handed it back to the, the landlord and complete with the, um, the forklift he got for free, which he loved. Yep. And, uh, and that was, that was, and we paid him some money as well because otherwise we would have to gut the whole shell and centre. So there's still businesses up there like um, that have been through there, like Signal Technologies that did a lot of work. There was a lot of um, laser light people that went through. There was, uh, look, there's so many of them. There, you, you would have seen a lot of industries disappear during this time, I guess, as well. That, um, that you know, jobs that just aren't around anymore too. Uh, yeah, but I just can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, but yes, it is. things have changed considerably over the mm. years since I've been there. Government um, is pretty important in this situation as well because you're getting government contracts. Um, yeah. How difficult has that been over the years in terms of managing that process and tenders come up and it, it becomes a pretty, I know over the years, whenever it's tender time, John gets a little bit stressed. <laughs> a little bit stressed. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's a very stressful time when the tenders are up because, <laughs> uh, you know, you can, you, tenders are a funny thing. You can, you can be the best provider ever. But they don't look at that. They only look at what's in the tender. And they and the reason they do that is because um, if someone else is tendering against you, they can't see it as us having the advantage over them. Now, I've look, we've been pretty successful over the years with tenders. We've, we've delivered the state government um, business advisory support for the whole 35 years we've been open. So that hasn't changed. We just went through the process again just recently and got awarded again. So that's for another three years and three and a quarter years. Um, but they, in their wisdom, they appointed another provider in Western Sydney and, and docked my money a little bit. So um, you know, things are going to be a lot tighter in the next three years because mm. of that. Um, the federal government, you know, we've, and, and to the state government for that matter as well, there's been a lot of... Um, a lot of COVID money floating around the last couple of years, yep. and, and really the money we were were given to to help businesses suffering in COVID was unbelievable. You know, mm. the, the money they ploughed into it, uh, which they probably nobody really saw, but um, we 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 expanded. We went, I think we we had about five or six staff and contractors working for us, and then we we ended up with nearly thirty. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. that's how much money was thrown. So we had we had people everywhere. So um, I'd like to think um, that our reputation is of that standard that will get us across the line. Apparently, the last tender with the state government was a few issues with what was in the tender compared to the other people that were tendering, um, and what kept us in it was our our work on the ground and what we do to help clients and apparently that got us across the line. So I can't elaborate any more than that because I don't know anymore yet. They haven't told me. Talking about that on the groundwork and I know we're fast forwarding a bit here and we will go back and, and talk about some of the other things you've got involved with over the years but recently we uh, we drove to Bathurst to see a little football team go around and um, we're driving through the Blue Mountains you were talking about uh, the bushfires and the support you offered there. This is probably a little known thing I guess that, that your centre also gets involved um, you know, because businesses do it tough post those periods as well. So um, you end up coming to the to the to the rescue of a lot of people and their businesses during times of need too. Yeah, well, when 
as I said, when we went to Bathurst, what's the Panthers play? I, I took I had Troy and a few others in the car, and when we went up Bell's Line of Road because of that slip that was on the Great Western Highway in Mount Victoria, and I experienced that a few weeks earlier, and it was three hours delay getting through. So we went Bell's Line of Road, and I was pointing out to them, the ones in the car, you know how bad it was when the bushfires went through the Blue Mountains, because I covered that area just after the fires went through, and yeah, we do a lot of things behind the scenes to help. Um, businesses affected by natural disasters, you know, mainly bushfires and floods in our area. Um, floods more recently, um, but when the bushfires were on, we did um, we set up little um, um, works, well, sort of seminars for local people. So we we moved around. We did Blue Mountains. We did. Open, we did Richmond, yeah. So we moved around the area, and we had guest speakers there talking about, you know, how they can market um, mental health, which was important at the time, and a few other items. And we we set those up ourselves. We we did that ourselves. We didn't have any government attending. You know, we just down to earth type stuff. Yep. Um, and then when the floods are on, um, you know, I've I've been out there, you know, just afterwards and. You know, out to the Hawkesbury and out to Windsor and everywhere and out there, and I just can't believe. You know, you look at the you look at the electricity wires and the the weeds hanging off the electricity wires, and you're looking up and you think, how can the water get that high? And it's just unbelievable. So we we set up, um, um, and with COVID too. You know, COVID's been a big one over the last few years. Um, we've just done a um, a Panthers um, one day event um, to help. Um, small business. We had you know, 120 registrations for that. And I might just point out, as Stuart Ayres pointed out in my 30th anniversary thing the other day, that um, um, Facebook were there as well and they booked a room and they wanted people to come to their session. They had 20 and we had 120. Yeah. So it gives you the difference of local knowledge and who to approach and so forth. So we ran that at Panthers to help people getting through COVID. Um, now we're doing two more for the floods, We're doing one-day events, one at the Richmond Club in the Hawkesbury at uh, Richmond to um, to help people in the Hawkesbury and also doing one at at, um, at Camden, the Camden Valley Inn, to help the people of Woolandilly. So they're coming up on the 10th of June, the 24th of June. They're all free. You even get free lunch. So well, there you go. Um, you know, we've, we've, luckily, we've got funding from the state government for that and um, we're there to just help people. Just to uh, go in reverse and back to 2001, that's when you become a Director of uh, Business Innovation and Incubation Australia a few years later, Deputy Chair and Treasurer at the National Nice Association, uh, which is a new enterprise incentive scheme, of course. You then, you obviously wanted to, you decided to to move forward in the business centre, not just with the role locally, but to get more nationally involved with with the concept. Tell us a bit about that. Um, I'd never... I'll say this, and it's true. I've never pushed my way into anything. I've always been asked yep. to go on boards, and you know, I've, look, they're all voluntary and not-for-profit boards. And you know, I think with the the incubation one, um, Ruth Milne, who was, you know, we still call her mother. She's retired now, <laughs> but she was the door of the industry, and and she um, she said to me one day, "Why don't you join the incubator board?" And I said, "Yeah, and what does that do?" And yeah, so anyway, we had a bit of a talk, and I joined and. I stayed there for you know when I was 15 years or something, um, might be longer. And and with the Nice one, um, I sort of progressed with that because we uh, we started off as a Nice provider um, back when I first started at the centre, and um, I just got involved with it. And you know it happened. It just happened more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so 
I, I got pretty high up in Nice with the government. We, I ended up being um, the deputy of the National Nice Association and also um, I was the treasurer as well. And, you know, we, we were constantly visiting Canberra, talk to the politicians to formulate policy because the best way to get a contract out by a tender, the best way is to talk the minister into it first. Yeah. You know, so they, yep. they put it out and then, you know, it's going to sort of happen. So, but, but it's not been all smooth sailing, you know, like I'll give you an example with Nice, you know, it was um, when the, the last tender round came around about, I think it was eight, eight, eight years ago, um, the Liberals were going to their major member, remember that cost cutting they yep. were doing back then and they cut the Nice scheme. So we got a Victorian minister um, to help us write a submission and Ari Moses, who was the chair at the time, myself deputy chair, um, we wrote this paper and we submitted it to the government and we submitted it to every minister or, or um, local member that talked to us in Canberra. Yeah. You know, and, and luckily they all talked to us. Yeah, it was really good. Some some opened my eyes, I'll tell you, when you could election come up tomorrow, someone wouldn't vote for it in my life. But, <laughs> on. but anyway, that's another story. Um, but um, we got um, – we they accepted this paper and they actually the director of the um, employment services here actually said, I based the, the contract on what you blacks put in because we thought it was all good stuff. Yeah. So anyway, um, when the tender was just about the sorry the contract was about to announce, they they rang me up and said, "Could you come to Melbourne?" And I said, "What for?" And they said, "Well, we can't pay you because it's got to be autonomous. We can't you know look to be seen to favouring one person or another." And we want Ari there who's based in Melbourne anyway. So we spent two days at the holiday in at Melbourne Airport with probity solicitors and everything, going through the contracts to make sure they haven't forgotten anything. And and then uh, a week later, the tenders came out, and I missed out on the contract. Really? <laughs> Did all that work? I mean, I saved the program, helped yeah. save the program by Australia wide. A lot of people <laughs> made a lot of money out of it, but I missed, lost out my contract. Right. And you know why? Because they would they used to have a, you know, as many providers in a you know employment yeah. services area as they wanted, but this time um, they'd want to put it back to three in each area. So there was two really big ones like Mission Employment and Serena Russo, who were based in Queensland, and there was a few of others, and I finished equal third in the pecking order, which went through four different levels of approvals, and they knocked me back because the other person commented on fraud, and we didn't. It wasn't even a question in the tender, yeah. but that's why we got knocked back. And I never even thought to comment on fraud because we yeah. never had any. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just something that, you know, we just, uh, but... And they rang, they rang me. I had the feedback and I knew her at the time in the purchasing department. And she said, what do I say to you, John? What do I say? Yeah, but they are, these things happen. I've, I've been successful in a lot of tenders, unsuccessful in a lot too. Talking of the ins and outs of politics, is there a challenge when government, over the last 30 years, you'd have a lot of change of government. Um, is there a challenge when that occurs, um, that, that they may review where things are at with these programs and funding yeah, and, and all those sort of things? To a certain degree. Um, I think... Yeah, you know, with with the niece, you know, like that was had bipartisan approval from both parties. Yep, they both loved it. Um, the the federal government program we do the Australian Small Business Advisors of the Digital Solutions Program that was actually started by Labor. Yeah, that was when Craig Emerson was the minister, and um, he actually did the launch of the program in my training room mm. um, before they got into office. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I had to cover up Penrith because it was seen to be supporting you know, <laughs> <laughs> some political party that wasn't going to get in. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I, rem I still remain friends with Craig Emerson to this day. And um, anyway, so um, lay obviously Liberal kept that going because 
they liked it and they've expanded it. So I would hope that when Labor get in, they remember that, if Labor get in, yep. <laughs> if, and, <laughs> if they get in, and um, they'll keep it going. Um, the state government, well, the Libs have been in power for a fair while in New South Wales, but when Labor were in power, um, the programs were there as well. So there's, I think small businesses on everybody's radar and anything to help small business, I think they like those programs. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And of course, you get involved with Business Enterprise Centre Australia as well. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, um, another, another thing that just happened. Yeah. You know, it was, um, you know, first off, you know, they, we formed it down in um, South Australia. South Australia? Yeah, I think it was South Australia. Yeah, and um, we, um, I didn't think it would work at the time. And I told Peter Murray, who set it up at that stage, you know, I said, Peter, you got rocks in your head doing this. And anyway... He said, well, you should come on the board. And I said, no way in the world. There's no way I'm going, going on the board. Yeah. So anyway, um, we sort of left it for a little while. Um, you know, Peter, Peter retired. Um, Jack Hughes from the Northern Territory took over for a while. And then um, I, 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 became on, I became a board member, you know, representing New South Wales, you know, which my peers wanted me to do. And I wasn't really that fussed about it. But I, I went on. And then when Jack was going to retire from the BC of Darwin, um, Unbeknown to me, he'd already rung all the rest of the board members and he brought it up at a board meeting and said, we want John Todd to be chair now. And I said, well, how about everybody else? No, it's all done. It's fixed. You're <laughs> it. So I said, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it for a little while, but I'm not gonna, it's not something I, I wanted to do or I wanted to keep doing for a long time. So I, um, I said, no, but now, now we're nearly going on nine years. This will be my last year. I've, 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 I think it's time to hand over to some fresh blood and... Uh, yeah, I'm not getting any younger, and I've probably got a couple of years left in my working life. I'm still elected to the board until 2024, mm-hmm. so I'll stay on and just help someone else take over towards the end of this year. You mentioned that uh, where, where you might be heading in the future. 30 years? Did you ever imagine you'd be in this role for 30 years? No way, and um, I don't even know where the time's gone. <laughs> I really don't. I was just thinking about it the other day, and I thought, I, I don't remember. I've, look, I've, I've got some newsletters that I keep there from back when I started in this role 30 years ago, and I thought, I got him out the other day, and I said, did I write that? You know, it was absolute rubbish. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> things change. You get used to things. But, uh, yeah, I never I never thought I'd be there 30 years. Well, I never really thought about it. It was just a, a job I came into that I liked, and it's it's given me a lot, of, a lot of outside benefits, you know, about other boards and getting to know, like, I know every centre around Australia, every manager, you know, and we talk all the time, and I'm, I'm very well... Um, connected with Treasury in Canberra and Treasury in Sydney. And, you know, we talk all the time and, you know, we just ring up and have discussions about programs and things like that. And I can do that as chair of BC Australia. Um, it's also given me... Are you going to talk about sport later? Or are we going to, well, uh, well, let's talk about sport now okay, because well, you've had a... Yeah, you're a big, obviously a big Penrith Panthers fan. We know yeah. that. But um, you've had a lot of involvement with sport over the years. Yeah, well, I suppose... As I said, I couldn't have done a lot of this without being in a job that was close to home. So there's no way I could get to a, you know, a training field or something like that at four thirty, five o'clock in the afternoon yeah. um, if I was if I was still working in Sydney. So you know, I I um, I don't know how. Well, I know how the coaching came about. Because my son was in under sixes as Michael, yep. one of your mates, and yep. uh, he um, he was in a. Uh, a funny age group, you know, a birthday group. Would they and the next year, um, if you're in a certain age group, they stayed down in under sixes and half went on. So the coach at the time was Ken Morrison, who I didn't even know from a bar of soap at that stage. He just lives up the road from me now, and um, he moved up with 
Scotty's son to the to the under sevens and Michael Lee the coach. So I put my hand up, mm-hmm. and we say the rest is history. So I I ended up um, coaching down there for I think about five years, various grades. Even even after even after Michael had left and gone to representative soccer, yeah. I still still coach locally at Emu Plains. I ended up as um, treasurer at Emu Plains Soccer Club. Um, did that for a couple of years, um, and then I was approached by the Pean District Soccer Football Association, who's who's the umbrella body for Emu Plains Soccer Club and all the other 30, 35 clubs in the Pean, to um, would you like to come down to the Pean and and look after the representative teams? And I thought, yeah, right, what do I know about it? Yeah. What do I know about soccer? No, a lot more now than what I did, but, <laughs> but back then I didn't know much. But it wasn't, it wasn't so much about me knowing about soccer. It was more knowing more about business, how to run things. Yep. And, you know, we had the coaches there that picked all the teams and everything. But things, things got, you know, um, really complicated um, after, after about oh, seven or eight years. Everything was going smoothly. Got them from Division Two up to um, Super League, you know, up two divisions. I had I had players playing for us in first grade, like Buddy Farrah played for Australia in Lebanon. And Sean Babbick played for Australia. I had Mark Onslars, um in Richardson and uh, and uh, Matty Borg, the two pot- three potent strikers in New South Wales soccer at the time. Um, cost us a bit of money, but we got him in, and yep. we we covered that with sponsorship and so forth. Put Andy Papulius on as the manager or the coach. He he um, came from Malta. Um, he he was assistant coach of the USA at the Olympics. Sorry, he played for the USA at the Olympics. You know, going yep. going back a while. Um, so I got some very experienced people around me. Um, but then, in about the eighth year, we had a. Football New South Wales was sort of condensing things, and they decided we um, we should merge with Panthers Soccer Club, which was not Penrith Panthers as a club. It was just yeah. they were called Penrith Panthers because Panthers sponsored them. So that was a, that was a challenge in itself because they didn't want to know us. And anyway, after after probably twelve months of negotiating and how we're going to do things, we ended up with the name Penrith the Bean United, and we played in the New South Wales Premier League. Everything was going hunky dory until um, one night. Uh, at a well, a week before it happened, the AGM got elected um, representative secretary again, and therefore one of my um, jobs would be to sit on that board. Got to the next board meeting in the PN, and there was a bit of a coup going on. The people wanted because it was so successful, people wanted to go on it. Yeah. So I got voted off. So I was representative secretary with no reps, <laughs> which half you know like, it was just disgusting. So I just walked out that night. I just thought, fuck this, I don't, I don't need it. And then. Um, uh, we got down there on the weekend. All my sons were playing representative soccer at that time. Got down there on the, you know, the Saturday morning to watch. I think it was Nathan play, and they come round to me. Where's the match balls? Where's the? Where? How do we get into the keys? And I was sorry, not my problem. <laughs> and anyway, so um, I was sitting on the hill that day. For the first day, I was sitting on a hill watching a game of soccer. With my kids. I had a phone call from Blacktown Association mm. from the um, from the uh, um, the director of coaching. And the junior director of coaching both rang me at different times, not knowing the other was going to ring okay. me. And they said, "Would you like to come down and run the, the junior reps at Blackdown?" Because I got to know them. No, yeah. I knew them all over the years. But, but this very much kicks off a, a pretty long association with oh, yeah, uh, with, with Blacktown. Then, and um, yeah, you become very entrenched in, yeah. in Blacktown and the Spartans. And then I had well, later that day, Keith Healy, the director of coaching, ring me, and not knowing the other two had already rung me. Yeah. So, so I went down there and. Um, you know, we started off and we, you know, we weren't 
very good in juniors or seniors. We played out of the old Francis Park at you know, Blacktown, and, and then we moved to the Blacktown Sports Park and got a brand new, beautiful field there um, with a synthetic surface. And uh, that was the start, but we went from Division Two to the Premier League back then. And uh, I think the last year I was there, I signed a, a team that should have won the comp, and they lost by one um, one point that comes yeah. second. But um, it was a lot of, I don't know, look, over that Christmas break bef- before that season, I just had enough. I've been there. I ended up as president, and I was doing so much. I was there all day, you know, from 6 o'clock in the morning to 10 or 11 at night on weekends, and it was just and meetings during the week, and it was just signing players and talking about tax with them. And, you know, like it, was just, it was just all me. It was nobody yeah. else, and it just got really difficult. And, and when I said I just, over Christmas, I rang the, the president of the Blacktown Association, Dane Simmer, I said, Dane, I can't do this anymore. I've done everything. All the contracts are done. They're all ready, they're all ready to go to football in New South Wales. Everything's done. It's time I just disappeared. And none of them have talked to me since. Right. And I was there. I was volunteer. I did yeah. everything for them for nothing. And, in fact, when I first got there, I had a small payment, I think, 1500 2000 a year. I actually gave that to the canteen secretary and my rep convener. Yeah. You know, I didn't even take a cent off them. And, and they still, to this day... I've not had a thing to do with it, and I've never been back since. That's a, a disappointing end to a to a pretty good uh, time there. I know. Well, we yeah, you know, that was the time when Wanderers started, and yep. you know, joined the Tatsmas, and um, and um, what was his name, the coach, Popovich, Tony Popovic, Tony, yep. Tony, yep. and, you know, had a lot to do with them, and we had a lot to do with the the name and the colours and everything back then, and you know, we had meetings with them when they were trying to f- formulate everything. And you know, we we played them at our park, and you know, we we had a great relationship, and. Yeah, you know, there wasn't probably many Premier League or major, a minority of A League players that didn't know me. Yeah, you know, because I I was I was known as the president of Blackdown Spartans. Mm. Yeah, you know, we had we had players playing for us that shouldn't have been anywhere near that club. Yeah, they were too good. Yeah, but they they came and played for us. So. Well, that's uh, that chapter is obviously done. When will the uh, the Western Sydney business chapter end? You mentioned a little while ago, a couple of years maybe. You. You, you do obviously feel that um, that retirement may loom. Well, as you know, you know we had our thirtieth, my thirtieth um, celebrations a few weeks ago, which my son and a few of the directors organised. And I turned up at Panthers, and I had no idea there was <laughs> 50, 50 people there waiting to say say hello to me and congratulate me. Um, it's funny, I just my previous appointment was I was my financial advisor. You had to see how much money I can afford and how much when can I afford to retire. Yeah. And the good news is I can retire right now. Okay. But I'm not going. Is this to. a big announcement? No, that, uh... no I'm, not, I'm not going to because I, I, there's still things we have to achieve at work, and we're going through a, a pretty big change at the moment with the contract being decreased by the state government, and, and the new federal government contract will come out towards the middle of well, middle of this year. So, which is pretty close now, and um, I just need to be around. So I'll probably, I won't, I won't do what, um, I've been sitting on a couple of other centres boards, uh, sorry, selection committees lately, namely Southern Region BEC that looks after the whole southern area right down to Wagga and also um, uh, Business HQ um, Orange that looks after Bathurst and all that, that region. And I found that um, people that, um, the CEOs both, both retired from there and the new CEOs are really struggling because there was not much left for them mm. and wasn't explained to them. So I'd like to, if, if we can afford it, I, and even if we can't afford it, I'll probably hang around anyway, do it for nothing, but we, I want to I groom someone. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll appoint someone as the CEO and then 
um, I'll work with them because I can understand, you know, there's a lot of emails coming to my email address that, you know, they're in my email address. You know, like, and yeah. how do I, I've been thinking about this long long and hard. How do I, a lot of personal stuff comes in that email address too. Yeah, yeah well, that. obviously when you're somewhere for 30 years, yeah, the, the, I, the two often I, collide. I've yeah. got to start transferring all this stuff to other email addresses. Over. Yeah. So I'm probably thinking, cut a long story short, probably another couple of years at least. At least, because I can't get a pension. I don't need a pension, but I can't get a pension until I'm seventy-five. So, 60, 67, Sorry, yeah, and I'm sixty-five now. So, well, you mentioned our uh, family in there. You've had uh, two uh, kids in in Michael and Nathan both work with you. Uh, what was uh, what was that like? And did you have any reservations uh, getting them involved in um, in working with them and living with them at the times that they worked there for a lot yeah, of chunks? It, <laughs> it was at times interesting, and they, um, I suppose, it. it it just happened more than anything. Like it was not a, with Michael, it was he, he was he was working with the Economic Development Corporation at the time, and and BJ Kumar was the CEO, and BJ was actually on my board, yeah, yeah, you know, at the time, and uh, and he approached me that Michael had to talk to me one night at home, and he said, look, is there a job there for me? Because I'm get, there's not much going on here, and you know I don't want to, I don't see this is very good progression, so. It was a very awkward situation. I obviously wanted him because I because you know what he's like. Yeah, yeah, he's a go getter and he, you know, he's he's established himself very much in the parent business community now by himself. And um, yeah, so I I had to tread carefully. I had to talk to our chairman Peter Berger and have a chat to him about it. And I think I, then I had to talk to all the board members and see what they thought. And and then except for BJ, we talked to him last, <laughs> but he didn't mind because at that stage he was looking. He wanted to restructure, and Michael was Michael was a bit of a hindrance at what he wanted to do. Mm. So it worked out really well in the end. So he came and worked with me for eight years, and um, did a massive amount of changes. He was he was the instigator of changing us from the Penrith Business Enterprise Centre to Western Sydney Business Centre. Yeah, you know, that was his idea, and changed all that. And then Nathan, um, well, I'll go back a bit on Michael. While Michael was there, um, he. He's now the CEO of One Point Health in Penrith, as a lot of you would know. Um, they were actually our clients. And Michael put everything together for One Point Health, and then they poached him off me <laughs> as the CEO. <laughs> he didn't want to leave, actually. He, he, three days there, two days of us, then it was four days there, one day of us, and eventually he went. Yeah. So I told him, look, just go. <laughs> and then Nathan um, was in real estate, and he didn't really uh, really enjoy it that much. And uh, um, Nathan was a bit more of a challenge because um, he, he didn't have the business expertise that Michael had and so that took a bit of training but he's come on really well now he's he's running the, the federal government program for me and the other seven partners we've got in New South Wales that deliver that so um, he's going really well now. You, you joke around a fair bit with them but you must be uh, pretty happy at the, the work ethic that uh, that all the kids have they're all involved and, and obviously have watched you uh, working for, for so long in that uh, that industry and, and be dedicated to it so. Yeah well, I suppose I suppose, yeah, the other two is my middle son's Justin, he's a school teacher. Um, and Danielle's a school teacher now too, my, my daughter. So um, they've all they've all got good jobs and they've all moved on. Never never smoked, um, never had any trouble with the police or anything like that. Wouldn't say they're never drunk, as you would know. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they just like their mother, they drink too much, but you know, but no, the my wife would say that's take after me. <laughs> but, but no, they have. They've they've all gone well and especially Michael, you know, he's 
He's doing. He still does stuff like for BBC Australia. He still posts all the social media posts on the Facebook page. Yeah. You know, which I send him a few things to, and he does that as well. So he's still involved with our network, but just not working for us anymore. When you do uh, retire, any plans to uh, to not be in Penrith, or do you think Penrith is uh, Penrith is definitely it for you? No, I think Penrith's definitely it, especially while the mother-in-law's still around and the nursing home. I don't think my wife would go anywhere. I can't see this going. I think just hopefully get back to cruising, which we were doing yep. before COVID, but um, that sort of stopped the last few years. Got another cruise in November. We're looking at that in New Zealand. We're just trying to convince the, the kids where they like to come because we had a, about oh, three or four or five years ago, we had a cruise. We took the whole family, girlfriends and everything, and we had the time of our lives. Yep. It, was over, it was over Christmas. You know, it was, we had so much fun. So I think, you know, including the, the pub crawl that all the kids and myself did on the on the ovation of the season, there's 24, 24 bars on that ship, you know. Yeah, and we, we visited we, every one of them. Every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> we're real good that night, but we, we visited every one of them. The last question that we always uh, always ask, um, and it's always a, a, a one that uh, that gets people, but how would you like to be remembered in Penrith? Oh, I think, I don't care if I'm remembered, but um, I'd just like to think I've made a difference to our, to our centre and to the businesses. I mean, there's so many there's so many success stories we've had over the years that people, you know, wouldn't be trading because of us, and people are getting the strife, and you know, we've got them out of it, and uh, you know, I just like to remember it as you know, as a as a um, um, a small business, um, I don't know, what's the word? Advocate, advocate, or something like that. Yep. that we've, we've we've improved the lives of a lot of business owners over the years. All right, we certainly have done that, and uh, Western Sydney Business Centre continues to do that. Congratulations on uh, 30 years, and uh, thank you very much for joining us. Okay, thanks very much, Troy. I hope you enjoyed our chat with John. On the Record is produced by The Western Weekender. To hear future episodes, search Western Weekender wherever you listen to podcasts, and make sure you hit subscribe. Check out westernweekender.com.au, and we'll see you next time.